Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Larry Kreider here again today and in the studio, second time around, yeah, is my great friend, Pastor David Hess, minister at Christ Community Church and also the nations. Welcome, my friend. Good to be here. Well, yeah. we had such a great time last time. If you didn't hear the, the last time that Dave was on with me, we talked about his story 25 years ago, how God sovereignly, supernaturally healed him of cancer. What an amazing, sovereign, supernatural story. And lots on leadership. We're going to talk more about leadership today. And then we're going to get into another book that you've written, I Hope mm-hmm. to Beyond Disappointment, where I, I'm so blessed that you wrote this book because this book is needed by so many people who pray and pray and pray. Yeah. And they think they've heard from God. And things do not turn out the way they think what really happened, and right. how can they find grace in the midst of that? I want you to re- unpack that just okay. a bit later. Let's, Let's talk, it. first of all, about leadership. You're growing up in leadership, and you've been a yeah. pastor now for all these years. What are some things you wish you would have known when you started? Wow, that's that's quite a question. <laughs> so many ways I could answer that, but I, I think I would say the thing I wish I had learned earlier in my walk with yeah. the Lord was the Father's love and my identity as a son. Excellent. That's a life message for you today. It really is. Yeah. But until I knew that I was so loved by the Father, I, I knew I was loved by Jesus, all yeah. the pictures of Jesus. He's yeah. so kind, holding sheep and children. Right, and, right. You know, the Father, I didn't know much about him. And, and, and yeah. many father figures that we've had, not just in the home, but they're kind of distant. They're not really involved. There's not a not a strong relationship, but when I discovered the father and I discovered that I'm his cherished adopted son and he delights in me, it changed me. Prior to that, I thought I was only as good as my last performance right. on Sunday or right. a board meeting or right. whatever. And yeah. I, I suffered, I, I say I suffered from PMS, post-ministry syndrome. <laughs> I, I constantly would beat myself up after I would preach or teach or do anything, uh, just critiquing. Right. And right. Uh, my encounters with the Father caused me to see my identity as a, as a son. It's who I am. Right. Right. That, that that's most important. Mm-hmm. And we, we minister out of who we are. Yeah, we do. I've talked to many people who are students of yours, whether it's Bible schools, whether it's our school, other schools, speak, when you spoke at conferences, and you often talk about God's Father's heart and how we carry that heart. And then as an example, you often find someone and just give them a big hug. Yeah. And, and hug, and hug, and hang on. And, I do. And, I, and various people told me that transformed their lives. Wow. It was amazing because they sensed this revelation. Yeah. It's funny. I grew up in a Pennsylvania Dutch home. We didn't right. touch each other. Exactly. I mean, when I graduated from high school, yeah. my dad shook my hand. <laughs> Probably never heard them say very much, at least, I love you. No. Yeah, see, that's, I knew that's they did. That, uh, they did, of course. Yeah, but that's the Pennsylvania Dutch homes that many people grew up in. Sure, they'd area. say either be careful out there or eat more, and that was <laughs> that was I love you in Pennsylvania Dutch. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, another question I have on leadership before we into this subject at hand with hope beyond disappointment. 
uh, is you've worked with teams your whole life. I watched you do right. that. Talk a little bit about the importance of a team, how you've learned to build a team, how that's been important for you and your roles of leadership over the years. I mean, you've been involved in many kinds of leadership. Right. But talk to us right. about that. Uh, again, this foundation of our identity yeah. and knowing we're loved and valued, when we know that, then we're not threatened by other people's strength. Yeah. And then we can... Uh, help them to value who God made them to be. Good. And so the revelation of the Father's love and my identity moved me from feeling like I had to have all of the knowledge, all right. of the wisdom, all the vision, everything, uh, instead of let's seek him together, and yes. we have the mind of Christ. Yes, yes. And leadership became less of, I have to come with a good idea and and enforce the rest to decide to agree with me. Instead, come, let's discern together. Yeah. So now, it's a, it's a word we commonly use on our team. We don't come to make decisions. We come to discern. And we come to hear him together. We come to hear him from one another. If there's an impasse, let's, let's, yeah. let's pray some more yeah. and listen some more. But it is so freeing. Yeah. If there's anything I could pass mm-hmm. on to a leader that would save them from the yes. neurosis of feeling like they have to have right. it all, right. is right. Uh, discern together, value yeah. your team, love your team. So what are some of the mistakes you made looking back that yeah. you had to change? Uh, I would say one was uh, trying too hard. Okay. Trying and... and the sure. uh, The other is... Uh, not wanting to offend anyone, mm-hmm. uh, failing to make tough decisions when they need to be made. Right. They don't. Decisions that are difficult don't become easier the more you put them off. That's right. And so, being more decisive, uh, being willing to risk offending someone by saying a truth that I sense they need to they hear. Need to hear. In right. fact, because fear and love are opposites. Mm-hmm. If I'm afraid of offending someone and what they'll think, yeah, yeah. I'm limited in loving them. That's good. And love requires me to, to tell what I see is the truth. Yeah. And then we can dialogue. It's not like I have all truth, but I, ha- I have a responsibility to share what truth I have. Right, exactly. And so I would, I would say leaders, by and large, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, and so mm-hmm. sometimes I think PA stands for passive aggressive. <laughs> and, and I think we're we, we, we are far too well read between the lines, sure. and, you know, and people, we walk away thinking, I told them, and we really didn't. So the mistakes I made were that lead by implication and mm-hmm. inference instead of just being direct. Sure, sure. Yeah. Very, very good. Let's get into why you wrote the book, Hope Beyond Disappointment. After coming back one night from being at a church where I shared my testimony yes. of being healed, and I saw people around the room that were happy that I was healed. In fact, I think everybody in the room was happy that I was healed. Right. But I saw a look on some of their faces of disappointment. Mm-hmm. And as I pressed in with them, I found out that they had Mm. believed. They trusted God, they trusted his word, Mm. but their loved one passed away or the situation didn't resolve or the the marriage ended in divorce, on and on, that type Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I came home and and said to my wife and and then to the Lord, I need something from Mm. you to help them. I really, and I don't want to give a pat answer, but I don't want to see the church uh, unknowingly beat up people by saying, if you have enough faith, this will happen, or that happened because you have sin in your life, 
And I saw us use those, those two things especially were used to, uh, to wound exactly. people, add insult to injury. And yep, uh, exactly. it doesn't have to be that way. Okay. Well, walk us through the book. Walk us through. There's okay. so much you have in here. Just get yeah. started. I, one of the things that helped, I, I felt like I just sat with the Father, mm-hmm. and I said, I need some counsel. And yeah. I sat with him, with the Word. Yes. And a few things that he showed me, one of the big ones was that there's a difference between expectancy and expectations. Mm, explain that. Expectations put demands on God or demands on ourself and how well we pray okay. or how big our faith is yeah. that if I pray this, God will do this in this way at this time. And it, it can really lead us to, to uh, correct massive disappointment. Yeah. Expectancy is different. It's just saying, I hope in you, I trust you. Mm. Now we can make a request known to him. Sure. He loves to hear them. Mm-hmm. He may not always do it exactly how we request it, but yeah. he hears us and he's moving. And and to know above all, no matter how things work out, uh, he's faithful to us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the word hope in the Bible is different from the way we use it in English. Hope in English usually is, uh, and in our culture, is a, a wishful thinking. Sure. I hope it doesn't rain. Sure. Or I hope this happens. Right, right. But hope in the Bible is a joyful, confident, expectancy that God will fulfill his promise. I love it. And it's joyful mm-hmm. and it's confident in him and knowing that he'll fulfill his promises. Mm. And he's the God of all hope. Romans 15, 13, one of my favorite verses. May the God of all hope fill you with mm. joy as you believe him. Yes. And uh, yeah. and, I, and I found too that, that faith and hope, they go hand in hand together. Hoping in God, confident in him, trusting in him, resting in him. When Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, right. it uses two words. The word author is actually architect, the beginning of a building process. Mm-hmm. Finisher is finishing the building. Like we use the phrase finished, a finished carpenter right, does right. the windows sure, and the doors. Sure. So he's talking about a house we live in. It's, it's, it's not something we hype ourselves into. It's a place we live. Mm-hmm. I live in a house of faith. I just trust you. I just believe you. So no matter what's happening in the house, no matter what's happening around the house, right. we stay in that house of faith. So, mm-hmm. uh, And then the, the wind that fills our sails and directs us is not the wind of circumstance. It's the wind of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And I found him just very present. When I, when I was walking through the difficulty with uh, not just with, with cancer, but we, we walked through a number of other crises. We've, sure. we've seen families as pastors we've seen families walk through crisis we've right. we've prayed for some people and they die young people right. die right. i i had a, it was a personal crisis of faith that preceded actually writing the book and we were devastated as a church we had watched two of the most uh oh what they, they would we would describe them as their their career singles they'll never get married we watched these two people fall in love they were older, they fell in love, and still in childbearing years, right. got pregnant. And uh, during the birth, the, uh, the baby born fine, the, someone administering the, in that setting in the, in the sure. delivery room gave a wrong medicine to the, oh. to the woman. She was totally healthy, gave a wrong medicine to her, and, and she died. 
girl. She, she lingered for about a week, and we we believed God was going to raise her up. Of course, we'd just come off seeing me raised from right, a deathbed, so we believed. And she she went home to be with Jesus, and so there is a there is a, a, a you know it was a marriage of the century. The wedding, everybody sure. came out to the wedding. It was, it was just this you know wonderful, and see them together, see them so in love, and yeah. and that it it cratered our church, and it cratered me as a pastor. And I just went to the Lord, and, and I said, "What do I do?" And and the, and the Lord said, "David, in 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 your stream, and I, I believe in our stream where we believe in he- healing and miracles we and do. all that. We need to learn how to grieve. We do. We need to learn how to face the fact that not every prayer is going to have be answered the way we thought. And it's healthy to learn to grieve. It's not anti-faith right. to grieve. Right." And so there were those who rose up and said, well, we have to have faith. And, right. it, and she passed because we didn't have enough faith. And it, it, it became a brutal uh, culture for a bit. Yeah, my wife often tells me, my wife Lauren says, we need to learn to lament. We do. There's a whole book of lamentations. In the yes. Bible, you know? Same thing. Learn to grieve. Yes. Learn to, to lament. So. Yeah. And we need to we need to love this about Jesus. Sure, he was had more joy than uh, his companions. Right, he, right. You could always pick him out in the crowd, not right. because he had the blue sash and his hair was done, right, right. but he he was the most joy. He was a life of the party. Right. But he's also a man of sorrows and acquainted yeah. with grief and well acquainted. It, the word is, I know grief from mm-hmm. the inside out. Yeah. And and so to understand that there there is like Solomon said, there's a time to yeah. laugh, there's a time to grieve. There, right. And right. It, but it's a time. To, to spend our whole life then lamenting right. isn't healthy Correct. either. But not. I believe because we've not learned a healthy way of lamenting mm-hmm. and grieving, it, it'll linger or we'll bury it. And uh, so uh, disappointments come. It's learning how to not get yeah. stuck there. And yeah. the picture on the front is sneakers uh, in, in miry clay, I love it. which miry clay is like... Uh, uh, wet cement. Yeah, and so I was, I was just about stuck there, and I, I got stuck in disappointment. So yeah. I, I wrote it because the Lord, I needed the Lord to help me. How do I process? Mm. How do I process grief? How do I, mm. how do I process disappointment? Uh, I had, I had so come from an anti-faith into a faith right. culture right. that I didn't have room for disappointment. Correct. Correct. And now to see that it's part of life. Yeah, and there's a mystery in mm-hmm. life. There, there mm-hmm. are things we don't understand. Yeah. My my nana was a rocker and a rapper. She'd rock in a rocking chair and wrap her arms around me, <laughs> and she would sing over me. And one of her favorite hymns was "We'll understand it better by, by and by,", by. Mm-hmm. and that just got into my spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that came back yeah. to me as there's there's a day we see through a glass darkly. One day yeah. we'll ha understand. Yeah. Right. I know many of you around the world, you know, 110 plus nations listening today to, to Dave sharing about hope beyond disappointment. And uh, you might be stuck. I mean, mm-hmm. I love, David, what you, your honesty and openness, uh, your vulnerability helps all of us so much. But your subtitle is Discovering the Joy of Living Unstuck. Yeah. And it's so easy, easy to be stuck. You talk in your book about shaking the dust off your feet. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, I mean, obviously that goes back, I'm sure, to what Jesus told his disciples, but how does that right. apply to this situation? Well, I think the dust, I, I, I often thought the dust was 
uh, kind of spitefully cursing the people that didn't receive your ministry, like, well, okay, here you go. Right, right. And you kind of dust off the, yeah. you know, and you move. Actually, it's the dust of disappointment. And I feel that Jesus was saying, don't let the disappointment of that situation and that ministry opportunity follow you into the next one. Because you will love less, you will hold back, you won't believe for more. So don't let that accumulate on you. And it's amazing, it's dust. It's so fine, it can easily get on you, get in you. But uh, I I just feel that keeping, forgiving, forgiving yourself. I believe that two people we often hold most resentment against are ourselves and God. Right. Right, you're right. So to think of forgiving God, well, we, we don't. But we need to admit that when we're embittered and stuck, uh, it's it's usually we got offended with Him, and and right. and uh, to look at you think, well, that'll never happen to me. John the Baptist, right. I mean, he sees Jesus, you know, and 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 he's the first one to announce, "This is the one. This yeah. is the Lamb that's taken away the sin of the world. He's he's the one," yeah, yeah. you know. And they were cousins, you know, and, and yeah. he's, but here he is. He's I'm not worthy. Even touches his laces on his right. sandals, and 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 for John when he's in prison, right. And then, and then here's, it, it can, it, un, unless we really appreciate the heart of Jesus, it can feel like he's being mean. Here's John in prison uh, because he just stood up for righteousness to an unjust ruler. Uh, he's in prison, and uh, John asks, you know, is this the Messiah or should we look for another one? Yeah. yeah. And, and Jesus' response is, just tell him that the sick are healed. Miracles yeah. are happening out here while he's in prison. Yeah. Jesus wasn't rubbing it in his face. He was saying, John, get the bigger picture. Right, exactly. Don't get stuck in yeah. your circumstance. The yeah. kingdom's still advancing. I am the Messiah. Right. Things like this happen. Right. That's so, so good. You talk about in the book about outrageous joy. Outrageous joy. Talk, talk yeah. to us about what you mean by outrageous joy in the midst of all that we walk through. Well, it's it's not fake. It's not phony. Okay. You know, I mean, we we've had seasons, or I've seen I've seen people. I've personally have had times where the Lord touches me, and I just burst forth into laughter. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about feigning, though, pretending to laugh right. something off. It's got to be real. It's it's it comes from connecting with Him. Uh, the joy of the Lord. Yeah. His joy yeah. is our strength. Yeah. So it's not pretending to be happy and. Pre- it's discovering in the middle of, of difficulties mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. that he is joyful because he sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Mm. And what's happened right now has come to pass. He's here to stay. Yeah. And he's full of joy. Yeah. You know, I think Amen. of the I think of the stories Jesus told about lost being found. Right. The lost coin, the lost sheep, right. the, the lost son, or right. and both sons actually. Mm. All three stories end with a party. <laughs> He's the ultimate party person. He just they, they rejoice over a lost coin. Right, they rejoice right. over a lost sheep and another re- let's yeah. party again. Well, there there is just this constant joy in the Lord, and as we connect with Him, we we need yeah. to connect with His joy, even in the middle of difficulty. I want to encourage all of you listening today. Hope beyond disappointment, an amazing book. You can get this on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Check out the show notes. David has also written a hope beyond reason, a story of the miraculous healing that he found as he faced cancer. This is 25 years ago, an amazing book. 
And then I'm going to be back in the future to talk about Side by Side Women in Leadership. Great book. Also, check the show notes, Christ Community Church, uh, David Hess, and all that God has given him. I want to ask you one more question here about the book. What do you mean by a worry-free zone? (laughs) What is that? Well, uh, worry accomplishes nothing. True. Just nothing. It's actually um, not only a time waster, but it it uh, crushes uh, so many amazing things God's doing inside of us. Right. Yeah, His think of it. He He gives us. I mean, He literally unloaded on us. He didn't spare His own Son, and along with Him, He's freely given us everything. And He says, "My joy, I leave with you. My peace, mm-hmm. I leave with you." Uh, the most common command in scripture is not to fear, not to be anxious, not to worry. And worry is trying on our own. It's, it's almost atheistic thinking. Right. It's Jesus, Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of, of Herod. Yeah. Leaven is yeast. Sure. As you know, if you sure. put a little yeast in it, rise it, it affects the whole lump of dough. He, this little, but it's subtle. It's little. It's just. I was amazed the first time I made bread how little yeast was right. put in. You know, it's. But uh, uh, just a little bit. Herod was an atheist. He, he didn't. And and the Pharisees believed in God, but they believed he was distant. Right. They, they probably would have agreed with Bette Midler's song from a distance. God's right. watching us. Right. You know. It's, so Jesus said, "Don't let that creep in." Yeah. And especially in times of disappointment. Worry is thinking like an atheist mm-hmm. or thinking like a Pharisee. That is very good. It's thinking like God's not really here mm-hmm. when he is so present. And even when it feels like he's inactive, he's at work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I used to interpret Romans 8.28, I think, one way, but I see it a little bit differently mm-hmm. now. I used, to, I used to think it said, all things work together. But it, it actually says God is at work in in all things to, to bring about his good. So it's not like the circumstances are making me something. No, the circumstance is not holding God back from doing what he's right. going to do. Right. So even when it looks impossible, yeah. he is at work. Yeah, got and it. And the worry-free zone is, is a Jesus-filled zone. Good. Well, Bill Johnson says this about uh, about your book. Hope Beyond Disappointment is more than a timely book. It is both vital and urgent. And I say yes and amen. Wow. Hope Beyond Disappointment. Get that on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Great. Uh, and then we want to talk on our next time we're together. We're going to talk about women in leadership okay. and what the scripture says about that, how that works practically. I'm really looking forward to that. Dave, yeah. what's changing how you see leadership today? Loaded question. I, I, I'm much more comfortable in my own skin. Okay. And I think until a leader feels comfortable in who God made them to be, mm-hmm. they cause everybody else to be uptight around them. Mm-hmm. When you're comfortable with who God made you to be, you're not trying to be uh, some of the other I mean, leaders we all respect. I right. won't bother name, but right. I mean, wow, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Bill Johnson, I, I just sure, you think amazing. the world, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but to, to fully be who we are, causes everybody else to be comfortable with who they are. Mm. And then the, mm. the other thing that, that has been fun for me as a leader these days is to go on a treasure hunt with the people that God's put in my life mm. and to help them discover who they are. Because I don't think we're often really self-aware. 
True. We're not we're not sure how people experience us, and and it's kind of funny. Our nose can pick up the smell of a skunk a mile away, yeah. but we can't tell if we have bad breath. <laughs> so so we're not only always the quickest to know how who how do I come across or who am I or what I do I have? I've never heard that example before. That's a great example. And so and so for someone who loves you, who's able to say, you know what. And I'm not just talking about being critical of them. I'm yeah. talking about being positive with them. Do you know what? When you explain things, it comes alive. Yeah. You have this capacity to take something really complex mm-hmm. and make it so right, so understandable. And that's you, Larry. That's what you do. <laughs> you you see you see people for who they are, and you call them forth, and Beautiful. and and that is. That's just a joy, and I I would love for every leader to to begin to yeah. tap into that, and and people need our feedback. Right. In fact, the word evaluate we don't like the word evaluate. Yeah, we're going to bring you in for an evaluation. Right. Well, the word evaluate means to look for the value. That's good. Yeah, so, and good. we do we do far too little of that. We critique people too mm-hmm. much in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. but but to help people see their value and their mm-hmm. worth and. You know, we've even had times where, uh, like prophetically or the word of knowledge, God will show us something about somebody, and then He'll say, "Okay, take that and turn it around to call them forth." Beautiful. So, case in point, this has happened several times. The Lord's given a word of knowledge that this person is addicted to pornography. Well, instead of saying, you pervert, you better <laughs> knock off that sin. What do you think you're doing? You're objectifying people. You know, to say to them. Do you, do you know, this this is something that I was nudged to do one time with a young man. I said, "You know what? You are deeply compassionate. You deeply care, and your 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 purity is your power. When you just when you walk in purity, you have a powerful impact on people." Yes. And he began to just say, well, "Dave, I got to tell you, yeah. uh, I struggle with pornography." Yeah. And I'd say, yeah, I know. God told me and gave me a word for you. you know, at all, we've got to just stop that stuff. Exactly. So it's all self-centered. All self-centered. Mm-hmm. Uh, religion in religion, if you repent enough, it mm-hmm. might get you to taste the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. But in the kingdom, His goodness leads us to repentance. That's really good. He got to taste the goodness of the Lord, <laughs> calling so him good. forth into his identity. Yeah. And it led to him saying, yeah, I want to get there. But you know what? I got this in the way. Yeah, yeah. And and it was good. amazing how quickly, as he came to that discovery mm-hmm. through conviction of the Holy Spirit, he changed. It's so good. I mean, you meet him now, you would not feel one ounce of lust in that man. Yeah. But yeah. the Holy Spirit did that. Yeah. So I think as leaders, we, we've got people around us we have mm-hmm. who have no clue how valuable they are, yeah. and yeah. maybe they've heard the contrary all their life, mm-hmm. and we can be the one to, right. you know. Why not? Why not? Them. One more question for you, yeah. and then we're going to yeah. close off today and bring you back. Okay. Talk about women in leadership, the, the need for women in leadership, what that looks like scripturally, and how they work with men and teams, on and on. Right. We're talk about that. Last question I have for you today would be this. What are some of the key issues you find leaders facing today? I know that's kind of a loaded question, too. Yeah, but just a few things. We've come through a tough season for leaders, especially I can speak to local Mm. pastors. Right. Suddenly we've had a pandemic. Right. We've had racial tension. We've had had political Mm -hmm. upheaval. Mm -hmm. And uh, many pastors have either 
have either plunged right in and they've turned their churches into a, a political arena. They talk about various conspiracy theories and it's it's shifted the climate of the church. It's become very angry, hostile. They've been mad. Either they've been pro some prophetic things that have come out or they've been bashing prophets or it's been so divisive. And uh, I feel that uh, we're navigating it. It's been such a leadership intensive time. But I think we're navigating it, and I would just encourage everyone, navigate it with the Holy Spirit. Good. Let him be your guide. It's good. Ask him, what does he want you to say? What does he right. want you not to say? Yeah. What needs to be front and center in mm-hmm. the church? Now, mm-hmm. uh, I had my own journey. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believed, well, I'm just going to preach the gospel, and I'm never going to mention anything going on in, right. in culture. And then I found out that, that the phrase, I, there were two phrases that I, I, I was using. Just preach the gospel and stay in your lane. <laughs> and I found out that those two phrases were said by Adolf Hitler. Really? To keep the church in their lane because people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and another sure. German pastor, Martin Niemöller, mm-hmm. began to question some right. of the things he was doing with the Third Reich. And he actually said in, in a letter response to a letter from Pastor Martin Niemöller, yeah. uh, you just preach your sermons and let me run the Third Reich. Mm. But I had a, I had adopted a mindset that said mm-hmm. we never talk about politics in church. And then I used Romans 13 to just solidify that. If whatever the civil government says, you just go along with it. You just, you just, you know, God put them there. So pay your taxes and shut up. And that's what I thought Romans 13 said. But then I discovered that in actually in the same letter, we all often get in trouble when we isolate one right, passage. Right. Romans, Romans 13 is not the only message in Romans. Ro, the Roman law, civil law at that time, they had two laws that would have directly impacted Paul and the mm-hmm. church. One law was you cannot ha- not have any other gods but Caesar. Mm-hmm. And and the statuettes, the right. the other the other Roman gods. So Paul writes in the beginning of the Roman letter, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ." Right. And the word "ashamed" means to have shame put on you, to silence you, to be mm-hmm. forced into silence. Mm-hmm. And right from the get go, right out the start, chapter one of the book, he says, "I'm not. Ashamed. I'm not going to let anybody shut me down and silence me." Mm-hmm. And a Roman law can't keep me from from declaring the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other Roman law was Christians cannot convert Roman citizens. And Paul writes the same letter. I have been called to minister the gospel of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Yeah. And I believe that Paul, Romans 13 to me is about respect. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's not about blind obedience. Right. There is a respectful way. Mm-hmm that we can address issues that are anti the call of God on our life and are unbiblical and we can do it and we need to talk about it in the church. And I think, I think there have been some, there have been some extremes that I've seen people go where all they do is rant on political things. So you, hello, where's my pastor? I got Andy Rooney now, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but then the other extreme is to pretend, you know, 
you know, kind of like the, there was a guy in Hogan's Heroes, remember Schultz? Right, right. I see nothing, I see nothing. Right, right. We just say, no, pretend it's not there. Right. There are things we need to talk right. about. Yeah. Not every single political issue needs to be dragged into church, right. but when it crosses the line, when parents are told, you have no right in the educational system mm-hmm. to to have input on what your children are learning, mm-hmm. that's something that parents need yeah. to pray about and speak up about. And right. I, again, grew up in Pennsylvania, yeah, PA, right. passive aggressive, where we yeah. kind of back off. And, mm-hmm. and I think we need to learn how to respectfully... Right. Uh, respectfully, Daniel was respectful when he told mm-hmm. the the Babylonian leaders, "I can't go along with your fast," right. and made an appeal. And uh, Peter, who wrote in his letter, first letter, to be subject to those in authority, mm-hmm. also right. said when they said you can't preach the gospel, he said, "We must obey God and not right. man." So, right. I think in navigating right. this whole thing, we need to find a place where we can address things that are unbiblical, Mm -hmm. that are detrimental to the culture, because we're called to be salt and light in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I am concerned, I I don't want to just pop open a can of worms and we can't, but there's a phrase, Christian nationalism, which is in its... its, in its extreme is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It's idolizing your nation mm-hmm. and trying to impose your ideology, in this case Christianity, mm-hmm. impose it on people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not called by Jesus to force people to be Christians. Right. In fact, how he, how he brings his government is how he prayed over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I've longed to gather you like a hen gathers right, her chicks. Right. It's through invitation, That's through right. influence, not through imposition. Mm. So, but at the same time, I think it is it's it's a sad thing that we've taken that phrase mm. Christian nationalism and we've thrown it on everyone right. who dares to love Jesus and love their nation right. and pray for their nation. Right, right. And this applies not just this is not just an American thing. Right. No matter which nation we've been planted in. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see our nation come out on top. We're the best. We want to see Jesus come Jesus out on top and every nation bow, every tribe, exactly. tongue, nation bow before him. It's happen. But Jesus said we should make disciples of nations, mm-hmm. not just in nations. Right. Discern what's the redemptive call of God mm-hmm. on our nation. And this yeah. applies whether you're in Japan or right. Bulgaria exactly. or America. What has God created our nation for? What's a what's our ultimate mm-hmm. purpose in yeah. God? And then pray to that end. Exactly. Thank you, Dave. You yeah. are a man of great wisdom, and, wow. uh, and we praise God for you and the uh, voice you have for the body of Christ, not just in Pennsylvania but around the world. And again, check out the show notes, please. Uh, check out these books side by side. Hope beyond disappointment. Hope beyond reason. David's three books, or you get these books wherever you buy books or on Amazon. And we'll look forward to having you all back here next week. God bless you from the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com. 